remember, we tell everybody else this is funny. Valentine's Day be damned. Let's perhaps not have this discussion. This isn't Game of Thrones. Welcome to the Palm Court, a Mr. Selfridge podcast. I'm Kelly Annika. And I'm Tom Schneider. Uh, welcome back. This is Mr. Selfridge. <laughs> I was doing so well. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. This is Mr. Selfridge season four, episode four. Correct. All right. Great. Yeah. I cannot count or remember <laughs> things. So that was a miracle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we are uh, not quite halfway through. Right. But uh, we're moving right along. Yeah, we're, you know, we're, things are happening. Yeah, we're pretty well established into the season now. We see where things are kind of going. It's been both not as bad and worse than I expected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that makes sense. Right. But here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a left? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, so let's let's dive right in, I guess. Yeah. No Ellen Love Letter this week. Uh, you know, people have been very excited that we're back. Yeah. We just posted the first episode Mm -hmm. uh so yeah uh feel free to write absolutely and we will share your letter on the air whoa i know i know what an amazing time quite an honor really it's basically the same as having a book published (laughs) i think that's fair well the publish industry is collapsing yeah so yeah Yeah. many books don't sell well at all no no no. (laughs) did you see rachel dolezal has a uh book out (laughs) (laughs) it's like as if as if this election cycle couldn't get any more ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh I mean, what else is she going to do at this point? Yeah. No, that's true. Anyway, I, <laughs> sorry. I just I just spent a second like in the diving into the world of what it's like to be Rachel Dolezal and uh I You know what? Don't do it. Yeah. No. Like, I, I I I just tried it for a nothing, second and I can't recommend it. Nothing good will come of that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Just just such a vast emptiness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, we start off where we started the season in Biarritz. Biarritz! Yes. Biarritz? Uh, I think it's B- Biarritz. Like, be, uh, like Biarritz cracker. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's or, all that's there is crackers. <laughs> that's right. It's well famous for its crackers. Yeah, well, really. crackers and Jimmy Dolan, but we'll get to that <laughs> shortly. Yeah, uh, but somehow in this cracker-themed town, uh, <laughs> Harry seems to have found a casino and hotel. Uh, yeah, and it's beautiful looking. <clears throat> yeah, it's really gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, it really, really is. look. I mean, they spent a lot of money on their exterior shots. Yeah. They might have wanted to spend some of that money on editing and basic <laughs> plotting, but right. as it is, as these it is. shots look great. Yeah, they do look great. Um, so Harry is there to make an announcement that he has bought a bunch of stores, uh, and that the Selfridge fund or whatever that they raised, the all trust. that, the trust, uh, is doing great. And, uh, the, the good times are here and will never end. I like, did they just had nobody come up with the saying, you know, don't say never or always <laughs> like, was that not a common, Right. Uh, sentiment at this time right and it's just like they literally were like in every episode a major character is going to talk about how things don't end yeah that was their plan like just even blatantly. though that's just life life does not work this way harry yeah or anyone <laughs> right. like if you're listening to this and you're like oh things are going well like this is gonna this is gonna last forever no and it's all just homer simpson going no come up and <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, 
And of course, the uh, this show is so deep, you guys, because as Harry is saying, the good times will never end, we see Mr. Grove walking into the store and see he's going to die. Yes. So... God, you here's know, hoping. It really... Yeah, I know, right? But yeah. Oh, you know they're going to fucking save him. <laughs> I didn't think that, and then there were some developments in this episode that made me oh, concerned. Oh, look. I don't want to alarm you, Tom, but I've been co-hosting the preeminent <laughs> Mr. Selfridge podcast for the previous three seasons, Yeah, and they always make things work out fine for Mr. Grove. It's inexplicable. Despite the fact that he is a terrible person yeah. who doesn't deserve... If anyone deserves for the good times not to last forever, <laughs> it is indeed our least favorite ginger. Yeah. It's astonishing. Like, they love this character. They I think, don't. I don't. And we never liked him. No, we, He's ha- not, we have literally never liked him. Like, not just being a bad person, but just, like, stiff and humorless and, like, just unpleasant to be around. Yeah. Like as a viewer, not just as a character. Yeah. He's like he's like the Mr. Bates of this show, <laughs> but he doesn't come with an Anna. <laughs> yeah. Like he comes kind of with Miss Martle, but only sometimes. Yeah. Mostly he just comes with Meryl. Yeah. I bet Miss Martle never comes with him. <laughs> Boom. Good one. Yeah. That was a real beeritz of a zinger. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, anyway, yes. Grove haggardly says that it's good to be back to somebody at the store, and then credits. <laughs> well, you know what'll never uh, be, you know, anything less than upbeat. These credits. That's right. They, like, I just, I want at some point. Can, <laughs> That's it, be, the one place can it be a haunting string <laughs> section? Just in one, ep, just, you know. Da, 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 da. <laughs> kind of sounds like Jurassic Park when you do it that way. <laughs> yeah, no, but they can't do it, Kelly, because there is, in fact, one place that the good times will never end, and it's in the opening credits. You're breeding floozies. <laughs> Christ. That was God, pre- I miss Sam Neill. <laughs> I never thought, I know he's not even on this show. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're just cross-promoting our Peaky Blinders podcast. Family meeting. That's right. Coming whenever. Uh, yeah, they won't, they, they can't come to a decision. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so back at this press conference, uh, the reporters all laugh at something he says, and then one of them asks, I think it was, you know, these are the best of times, they will never end. <laughs> yeah, that, that was kind of implied, but it yeah. It was the blurst of times, <laughs> you stupid monkey. <laughs> Nothing can possibly go wrong. <laughs> Oh, but we're about to meet Mr. Selfridge's own Nellie Bly. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So yeah, somebody in the press asks why he bothered, why he had to make this announcement in Bia Ritz, since it's an uh, you know English company buying other English companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, ah, I don't want to answer that. Next question. And the next question comes from a lady reporter who asks why it is that Gordon isn't present. Uh, and he's like, so, good question about Bia Ritz. I'll answer that. And everybody's like, ha, 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 ha. Well, because his answer is, why not? And I'm like, did Mustache not give you any kind of PR prep on this? Because when they ask about Gordon, he just looks back at Jimmy Dolan, who is there. Right. And and they're, they're like, I thought you knew about what to say when they asked about Gordon. You said you would. And I'm just. Yeah. You, you called 
press conference. <laughs> right. This is your party. Yeah, and this you is... You don't have canned responses ready for a variety of probing questions? And it's clear that this is, like, a known, like, story. Yeah. That this is, this is an ongoing thing. It's not like this is the first time this has come up in the press, even if not directly Excuse to Harry. Excuse me, Mr. Selfridge. Has the tension existed only since your son grew that hideous mustache? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Mustache pulls There's only po- one mustache in the room, gentlemen, and it's mine. Yeah. I had specifically told you not to ask about the other one. <laughs> uh, back in at Selfridges, Crab asks Nunu Gordon the same question about why he's not there. Uh, and he says, oh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And well, an A.A. Milne is coming to give a reading and uh, I'll be there with my son and that'll be great. Um and then he also makes some kind of snide comment about how he prefers hard work as a measure of virtue and not like glitz and glamour or whatever. Uh, Sounds like someone has a narcissistic parent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crab says that seems harsh and Nunu Gordon's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> He's like, yes, that's how I intended it. <laughs> and also, Mr. Crab, you brought all this up. Like, you don't, you know. Yeah. It's not your job to care. Right. The female reporter, I feel like her name was maybe Felicia. It's Felicity. Felicity, okay. You're thinking of the movie Friday. <laughs> As I so often am. Her name's Felicity, and Mustache calls her Flick. Oh. Because you can call people named Felicity Flicka for some reason. Oh, I, 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 the yeah. American Girl doll, doll books did not uh, prepare me for this. <laughs> In retrospect, they don't prepare you for much. They taught me what to do if I'm served tea during the Revolutionary (laughs) War and I'm a patriot. (laughs) Right. So (laughs) I'll thank you. (laughs) An event that seems unlikely to take place. You don't know what's going to happen to me, Tom. (laughs) I'm going to find a time-traveling wormhole someday. By God, I'm going to find it. Uh, Okay. Great. Yeah. And you can't come with me because you don't know what to do when Miss Manderley pours you a cup of tea. <laughs> That's true. I uh, would be Oh, wait, useless. it wasn't Miss Manderley. It was Annabelle. Okay. So sorry. Or maybe yeah. it was Elizabeth. I don't remember, guys. I could go read it. It's very big of you to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> Much like it was very big of Felicity not to toss the scalding hot tea in her Tory classmates' faces. Uh, yeah. She would have only done that to Annabelle. Well, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, Annabelle. Ugh. She was insufferable. <laughs> I believe you. But she had a crush on a patriot, so. <laughs> His name was Ben. <laughs> Listen, I could go on. Clearly. So uh, we'll, we'll just table that discussion. Anybody who wants to discuss uh, various finer points of the American Girl series <laughs> or the Babysitter's Club, please find me on Twitter at The Fatling. Yeah. That'll be for your separate podcast. Uh, turning the teacup. Mm. Yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah. Turning the teacup. Uh, also, I think I would call the Babysitter's Club one 555-5555. Everybody who gets that just laughs so hard. Okay. There's probably already a podcast called 555-5555. Maybe true, yeah. Right. Felicity. She is dictating a story uh about dictating uh, <laughs> yeah she'll be doing more of that later <laughs> uh about familial heat uh which is a phrase that didn't necessarily 
necessarily bug me when it was said on the show, but now that you've said it, I don't like it. Yeah. Well, this that's... isn't Game of Thrones. <laughs> right. Or is it? I'm really tired. <laughs> Uh, then after she's filed the story, Mustache comes along and, like, you know, bribes her by saying, oh, I've upgraded you to a room in this hotel with a bar tab and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. And that's apparently what he does. Yeah. And uh, another reporter sitting by her says that he knows she's got, he says that what she just filed was a puff piece, which didn't sound like a puff piece exactly, but mm-hmm. and but he knows she's got better stories and she says she does have one, but Wednesday Adams has forbidden her to file <laughs> As, yeah. <laughs> Crab sees Grove uh, in the upstairs hall and is shocked that he is there. And Grove is like, oh, you know, I'm working. This, uh, We're doing this event for Wednesday Adams Charity, it turns out. Okay. Yes. This is where things really went south for old Kelly Anakin. <laughs> because the whole point of Rosalie Debolotov, who I keep forgetting that's her name, yeah. but this episode, oh, we remember. Yeah. <laughs> uh you know, Wednesday Adams was like, oh, don't tell anyone that I'm secretly nice. And she's like, okay, I won't tell anyone that you're secretly nice on the condition that I throw this charity event for these ragamuffins. Right. And he was like, dope. So now, suddenly, yeah. literally every person, every person knows that he has this charity. And I'm like, well, yeah. then why... What is the what is the currency of your friendship like, now? Grove hasn't even been around, and now he knows. And yeah. like, yeah, yeah. It's in just... the in the throes of his existential <laughs> crisis and health crisis, he was like, "Oh, Wednesday Adams has a charity. <laughs> I wonder if there are any gingers I might sponsor." <laughs> I'm dying, and it turns out Wednesday Adams is kind of nice. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Crab says that Grove cannot ignore what's going on, and Grove's like, I didn't hear you, and I and leaves. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Crab sits down at Grove's desk and like pulls out a book. Home Remedies for Gingers, <laughs> Chapter 1. <laughs> a swift kick in the nuts. <laughs> if said ginger has no nuts, a swift kick in the puss will do. <laughs> We assume you've already tried this, but we recommend liberal applications of ginger. <laughs> I've always said the only good thing for a ginger is more ginger. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, uh, yeah, it actually appears to be a phone or contact book and Crab makes a call. I would like to read a children's book called Crab Makes a Call. <laughs> I'm sure it would be very nice. Mm-hmm. He would be great in a children's book. He would be. He's so kind and gentle. Yeah. And his wife could come in, bring him tea or something. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd be like calling all his friends on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's make this happen. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. I would totally enjoy that. <laughs> on the shop floor, Rosalie is inspecting a shack that has been made. And she says that it's too sturdy to be Eeyore's shack. Yeah. Get it together, eyebrows. Right. Uh, Eyebrows says he can't make something flimsy. He studied at the Slade, uh, which I don't know what that is. Uh, presumably, it is a hoity art school yeah. in London. I kind of meant to look that up, as well as to look up uh, stone pictures later in this podcast, but I failed to do either one. Good job. Yeah. Proud of you. <laughs> Proud of you, Bay. Thanks. Uh, and Rosalie and Connie chat about some shit. I don't know. Uh, this is Eyebrows' only appearance in this episode, and he uh, was like, oh, it's always up to me to... Like, make Why the is he even on this show? Yeah. Like, on, I feel like it's just this, like, sense of, like, well, we have to have somebody who's in charge of <laughs> right. all this nonsense, right? Yeah. And, uh, great. Yeah. 
Bring back Miss Towler. We demand it. France. Henri is still crazy. I just can't. You know, I can't get away. How's George? <laughs> he, he married a what? <laughs> um. I forgot how fun that was to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. Down in the stock room. In the stock room. <laughs> in the stock room. Tilly tells Meryl that... Uh, she should stop being a bitch. Yeah. She says that she is sometimes quick to speak uh, and says that she needs to learn how to be respectful and she demonstrates what pr- the respectful pose and face looks like. Uh, Meryl agrees that she will give it a try. Immediately, Connie walks in, looks at things, and is like, okay, Meryl, you're back on the shop floor. Like, that... Because that's how life works. Yeah, that is very Mm -hmm. standard. Yeah. Like, you just stand in a different posture for 30 seconds, and, uh, boom. You know, honestly, I've never tried it. (laughs) That's a good point. I'm gonna start doing it. Yeah, all right. see what happens. Yeah. It's gonna be cool. Yeah. Let's all try it out, listeners. Report back. (laughs) Get a statistically valid sample here. <laughs> All right, yeah. Everybody, uh, you know, encounter a person that you want to like shake things up with, and uh, stand and look deferential, and see if after thirty seconds you get what you want. Yeah, and uh, if it works, then we've got a million dollar self help book ready to go. Yes. So we do. <laughs> right. Me and Tom, not you, clowns. <laughs> we'll take your testimonials and not give you any money. But that's it. <laughs> we'll mention them in the acknowledgments. We should really get a Patreon going for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon? Patreon. Dolazol. <laughs> Dolazol? Let's call the whole thing what? <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. Delazel. <laughs> Delazel. Delazel. <laughs> Oi! You say I'm white. I say I'm black. All of these people come in for attack. <laughs> I can't believe we're still talking about her. I know. God, like she's going to be famous forever. Like in the future. Yeah. She'll I mean, be in history she'll, books. She'll always have a Wikipedia article. She'll always have a Wikipedia article and yet nobody knows who we are. Yeah. We're white people who've never pretended to be another race. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There's probably just going to be that Wikipedia article. <laughs> White people who've never pretended to be another race. Uh, most of them. <laughs> it's surprisingly easy. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Tilly and Meryl twirl about in delight at the success of their scheme, which is then cut to the twirling of a roulette wheel. <gasps> oh my, Beeritz, you've done it again. <laughs> Uh, the Dolly Sisters, or uh, the Floozies. I read down Dolly Sisters a few times, and I was like, this feels wrong. <laughs> <coughs> Much like the Dolly Sisters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, of course, uh, have lost all their money and need more from Harry. And then, who should appear but uh, Tweedle... What, what did you call them? Tweedle Dick and Tweedledum? I think it was Tweedle Dick and Tweedle something. Ass? <laughs> Jerk? Balls? Tweedle Dick and Tweedle Balls. Okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> yes. Because uh, they yeah. go together always. That's right. They're well, all. They, 
one hopes. <laughs> yes. What if you just had balls? I don't mean you specifically. <laughs> I mean in general. Uh, I believe that is discussed in the uh, Baroque cycle. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That sounds like the kind of thing Neil Stevenson would get into. Yeah. Well, in the, I mean, primarily in the person of half-cock Jack Shafton. Well, he still has half a cock. Yeah. But I don't think it's functionally that much different. Anyway, sorry. Let's, let's, uh, yeah, let's perhaps not have this discussion. (laughs) You're welcome, everyone. Yeah. For my uncharacteristic restraint (laughs) on the subject of half-cocked Jack Shafto. (laughs) Anyway, the Tweedles uh, do what they always do at all times, which is... Shit on Harry Selfridge. Yeah. They seem to be slightly less drunk this time. Yeah, but only slightly. Yeah. Or actually, they didn't seem that drunk at all. Didn't they? And it's like, oh, you're just naturally this assy. Yeah, I guess they're just, yeah. They're bad people. Yeah. They're, uh, they're why revolutions happen. They are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, them and Rachel Dolezal. <laughs> uh, so Jimmy Dillon and May are there. They uh, crash the party, it turns out. Well, Jimmy Dillon's been there the whole time. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. He is the money guy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, May said she had had business in Toulouse, mm-hmm. which I have no idea where that is relative to Biarritz. I'm uh, not that up on my French geography. The only thing I know about Toulouse is Lautrec. So, <laughs> and even that is all from the movie Moulin Rouge, I, which uh, <laughs> not uh, not historically accurate. What? I think it's not historically accurate. I'm going to check like, on this. I, okay. Were there writers who fell in love with prostitutes who worked the Moulin Rouge? Absolutely. Did some of those prostitutes die of consumption? Most assuredly. (laughs) It was in their contract. (laughs) It's cute that you think they had contracts. Yeah, so yeah, uh, May is there, Harry's like, great, let's all head to the bar and have fun. I drink now. Okay, <laughs> this is the second point in which one old Kelly Anakin got, I keep getting so mad about this, uh-huh. and I wouldn't, you know, this happens in life, Yeah, but like, this is a, this is a TV show, see? <laughs> and generally speaking, when a TV show makes such a big deal out of somebody being teetotal, mm-hmm. uh... And, you know, having him be so teetotal that the one other time we've seen him get drunk, (laughs) a magical car bewitched him into a coma. Uh, If he hadn't been so drunk, he would never have bought that car from that old gypsy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, also, thank you so much. Uh, I cannot remember which cousin. Uh, but yes. put the not only the tumbling down car and Harry falling down, combine them yes. into a super gift. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, we do appreciate it. Uh, anyway, so he just drinks now. And it would be super easy to just be like, oh, like, you know, oh, ever since uh, Mrs. Selfridge died, yeah. he's been off the wagon. Or yeah. ever since old Ma Selfridge died, he's been right. hitting the sauce. I mean, he's got his children ineffectually chastising him all the time. That You could just slip that into any one of yeah, those scenes. Yeah, so it's just, you know, yeah. just it's a storytelling. I don't, I don't care about it as a character choice. Right, right. Because it's consistent with the rest of his behavior. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, which... The third thing, (laughs) 
pay your goddamn gambling debts, Harry. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, I see where this is going, Broseph. Yeah. Like, good Lord. Like, I'm paying my taxes. Right. You pay your gambling debts. <laughs> Historical dead man. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Felicity and Mustache spar a little bit. I don't think that went anywhere. This is kind of this is kind of jumping around the party. Yes. Uh, this scene here. As one does. Yeah. Uh, we learned that the Floozies have an audition the next day for Stone Pictures. I always forget how close Britain and France are. Right. Because they're like, we're going tomorrow. And I'm like, but you're in a different country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say. <laughs> I'm very provincial. Yeah, I understand. A uh, mustache uh, is kind of is not really super thrilled by his job at this point. We've seen that established a couple of times, and so he's talking to Felicity and is like, "Oh, you see these other people, and they're like major reporters, and they write books, and blah blah blah." You mean like your wife is trying to arrange for you to do? Mm-hmm. You mean the career that you could have if you stopped being a prat <laughs> with a mustache? I'm afraid I can't do that. <laughs> Okay, and this is actually where it started. So he, to my knowledge, mm-hmm. up until this point, has had a reasonably received pronunciation accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like a very neutral British accent. Yeah. So here he starts slipping into an Irish accent. And that continues for the rest of the episode. And I know Samuel West, the mm-hmm. actor, is Irish. But it does not explain why Mustache is suddenly getting in touch with his <laughs> potato-eating roots. Right. So I call foul eyeliner. Yeah. Like, get your vocal coach in there, slap him around a few times, <laughs> and be like, did you go to Rada or not? <laughs> I don't know where he went to school. Yeah, I don't either. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, maybe, much like his character, Samuel West was getting tired of this job. Ah, uh, that's also entirely possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this has not been a great season for virtually anyone. Yeah. Like, I think the only person I saw on Twitter who was, like, super enthused is the guy who plays George Towler. And he's just always been like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and we see the Tweedles poking at Jimmy Dillon. Tweedles. Yeah. Uh, and so Harry pulls him away from that argument. And then uh, we see, wait for it, Fat Thomas. <gasps> I got so excited. Yeah. Oh, boy. It was a regular Jean Parmesan moment. <laughs> yes, it was. Boy, uh, and he is getting puffy. Like, well, I have no problem if people put on weight, but he just, he looks, I think he has a drinking problem, we, like IRL. I think he heard that we called him Fat Thomas and was like, well, why even try anymore? Aw. <laughs> I hope he didn't take my attempt to destroy him too seriously. <laughs> and we have frequently explain the caveat that he is not fat. Yeah, but now he is. <laughs> this happens so much more to male actors yeah. than it does to female actors. Yeah. Because well, the patriarchy, I assume. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because male act- there's plenty of male actors whose kind of natural weight without much effort is in an acceptable range. Yeah. So they get, you know, and then they get a little bit older and their natural weight starts increasing and they don't have the, you know, history of being ironclad about how they how they look. Yeah. So. Oh, I want to eat some mac and cheese. <laughs> I have some. <laughs> Great. We'll do that later. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, anyway, the uh, guy who had previously threatened Harry about his debts, who I don't think we knew his name, but it is Mr. Dancona. And he is clearly, Fat Thomas is like clearly like kind of afraid of him. I think he's come up before. I mean, isn't he the shady guy that Fat Thomas threw his lot in with back when the club was failing? Maybe. That might be true. That's my feeling. Where's yeah. haircut? <laughs> Where the hell is she? I'm sorry. I think I think <sighs> she's gone. I just hate the casting. Oh, you're going to get rid of haircut, but we get stuck with Meryl? <sighs> Our focus groups find us just, uh, the, uh, just stressing lack of gingers on this show. <laughs> We've been requested but to there's add there's already seven. four. <laughs> <laughs> Our focus group may not be a statistically valid sample. It's just a bunch of drunk Irish women. Shar, 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 shar. Run that through Google Translate, will you? <laughs> By God, we need more gingers! It also turns out that they found the character of Harry Selfridge extremely difficult to sympathize with as he did not drink. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what my eyeliner impression used to be, but now it's turned into hedonism bot. <laughs> Jombie! <laughs> Prepare the ginger frosting. <laughs> anyway, Dancona's being threatening. Like, he asks what uh, Fat Thomas asks what he's there for, and he like pulls the newspaper off of Fat Thomas's desk and starts giving a threatening thing about debts. And he's like folding the newspaper. And I'm yeah. like, what, is this Sadako in the Thousand Paper Cranes? Like, what are you doing, Broseph? <laughs> yeah. Um, and he says that it's not Fat Thomas doesn't know him anything, but they have a mutual friend. And he's like, who? And he slams the paper down on the desk. And there's, uh, of course, a story about Harry that he has folded it to. But I like to think that uh, Fat Thomas's first reaction was, Rancher Earl, (laughs) 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 who is the subject of another headline on the same page. What was he up to? Uh, I didn't catch it. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Rancher Earl. I know. Nobody ever pays him any attention. (laughs) Nobody pays him no mind. That's true. Least of all is sheep. <laughs> Rancher, Rancher Earl lost his sheep again. <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah. That was just funny. <laughs> uh, so back at the party, Harry describes some magic trick he saw once. Uh, he gambles. He buys the floozies some diamond necklaces out of nowhere. Well, I mean, I think he bought them before, but he gifts them You're to right. them. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, dude. Don't you know you have gambling debts? You're gambling all the time. Yeah, yeah, like all the time. Where do you think where do you think money comes from? It's not gambling. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> so the annoying floozy dances on the table. Uh, uh, really scandalously. Yeah. Like she's pulling her dress up like to a degree that is scandalous today. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh, like I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. Also, she's wearing a hideous pair of hot pink heels with a red dress. Valentine's Day be damned. <laughs> I do not believe that like bright pink and bright red go together. And she is violating my cardinal rule about cardinal colors. Well, there's nothing to be done about it. She's an insufferable floozy. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, and at the end, when she leans down to kiss Harry, her sister, like, rips the necklace off her neck and it breaks. And they're, like, mad at each other. Well, and here's the thing that's weird is that, like, Harry, whatever Harry gave to Rosie, which is the one that he's boning on the regular. Right. uh, 
was not as lavish seeming to me as what he gave to Jenny. Mm-hmm. Look, lesson is, if you're going to be in this weird kind of polyamorous situation with two floozies, yeah. treat him the same. Yeah. Like, they're, from the get-go. They're Being the, exactly the same is their whole shtick anyway. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, so the floozies kind of fight with each other in the hallway. Uh, and... And Harry's like, I'll buy you both the same thing! And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, like, we are beyond that point. Yeah. There is a deeper issue here, It Harry. is not even about you anymore. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Dillon and May discuss uh, the crassness of recent events. And then uh, the Tweedles decide to be all racist. Mm-hmm. And oh, man. They're pretty racist. Yeah. They, uh, they are like, oh, I, I see you're on an exotic holiday. And that, oh, it's quite the trend now or whatever. And, and like they ask Jimmy Dillon... Jimmy Dillon? Yeah. Yes. I'm like, Jimmy Dolan? Is that a real person? That is a real person. He owns the New York Knicks. Thanks. <laughs> I don't know why I knew <laughs> that he was a person that exists. Yeah. Because I don't care about the Knicks. No, you don't. Uh, anyway, but they want him to bring them a daiquiri and shine their shoes, and it's awful, and, you know... Jimmy and Lady yeah. May try to take the high road, and then Jimmy uh, totally cracks... Yeah. ...and throws a punch. Mm-hmm. And then... The fight sequence was filmed. Yeah. Like, there were no real vocal reactions from anyone. Yeah. And the camera was static. Like, it was really odd. Yeah. And then, so, like, Mustache jumps in, and he takes an elbow to the face. And then the actual casino security all piles in. Mm-hmm. Which you would think, if any place was going to be quick to break up a fight, I would think a fancy casino. But Do you think that the Tweedles are just like Harry Selfridge's like anti-groupies? Because I feel like they just follow him around. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They did say that they were uh, in the same club as uh, Lord, Loxley. Lord Loxley. God, remember that lizard? lizard? Yeah. I strangely miss him. He, look. Much as I hated him in the previous season. Yeah. Like. No, no, no. We hated the character. Yeah. But the existence of the character and the portrayal of him were perfectly good. Yeah, he was a great villain. Yeah, he was. Uh, back in his room, Jimmy Dillon is still flipping out and he, like, breaks a chair. Uh, and May is, you know, telling him to stop it and she's not happy about that at all. Mm-hmm. J- Jimmy Dillon asks if it's true. He knows that people say things to her like that and asks if it really is an, an exotic holiday to her. Mm-hmm. And May says that of course people say things but she doesn't care but what she doesn't like is his temper uh and he like tries to like be like oh sorry and goes in to kiss her but she's like nah i'm out yeah which you know uh dudes with bad tempers take note yeah it's not an attractive feature yeah yeah and it's like it's interesting too because you know there is like his anger is justified. It's this, you know, it's this reality that no matter what success he achieves, there will be, a, you know, he will never get respect uh-huh. and that there's no way that he can ever change that. Uh, you know, that that's fair. But it's also clear that this is not like, you know, a one time thing with Jimmy Dillon either. Yeah. So we see mustache and flick sneaking around in the hallways mm-hmm. of the hotel. So, uh, is he cheating on Kitty, the best character on the show? 
This is not the way to endear yourself to the Palm Court podcast. <laughs> no, it, Irish accent aside. Yeah, no. It I is will not. say to you in your native tongue, shar shar shar. Gasps. Oh my! <laughs> You've never even met my mother. Shar shar shar. And. Harry and May also run into each other, and he says that they haven't eaten, so let's go eat. Cut to... Broad daylight! Broad daylight! So, where are we? When are we? Yeah. What the hell's going on? Yeah. I mean, I think I think it was... I think they started the party at midnight, kept it going till seven, and are, you know, out having breakfast, essentially. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Uh, it's a great brunch place. There's nobody there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, they, they lucked out. And, uh, yeah, and it, it's, it's an outdoor setting and it's, you know, on the beach in Biarritz and the sun is beautiful and it looks like, I was like, man, I would like to be eating at that place. Would you like to be a Ritz? <laughs> I would. Cracker! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. white! Yeah, they seem to have ordered off menu because they're not eating crackers. No, they are not eating crackers. <laughs> um, yeah, May talks. So few people are nowadays. <laughs> Why you don't hear people talk about Biarritz as much anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, May talks about how it's calm and how it's a relief after all the noise and shouting and glasses clinking and all that sort of thing, which is, uh, you know, Harry's native habitat at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, she apparently, see, she says that what she wanted to talk to him about was his relationship with Nunu Gordon. Which is not... The relationship that they have had. Yeah. Like, she doesn't bug him about his family crap. Yeah. And, like, like, yes. What, like, if, if she was just there to kind of, like, if she was saying that she was on an intervention just to, like, get him to, like, you know. Stop hanging out with floozies. Yeah. And just slow his role in general. Uh-huh. That would be fine. But it just felt weird to me that that's, like, because she comes back to it later, too, when it's, like, that it's insisting that he needs to fix his relationship with his son. And I'm, like... It just doesn't feel like that would be... Like, she might mention that as part of her argument, but it, yeah. why, it's weird that it's her priority. Yeah, anyway. It's not her lane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, however the conversation unfolds, uh, Harry gets very angry at her insinuation that the previous night wasn't fun, and he insists <laughs> that it was. And that it every- was very fun! Yeah. Everyone had fun! Yeah, that's, that's exactly what he says. Uh, and so he, like, sulks off down the beach... Uh, May follows him and he's like, I guess like having a moment and he says that he feels like he has to keep moving all the time because he has to. Uh, May says that she understands they're cut from the same cloth. Uh, And Catherine Kelly is totally killing it in these scenes. Like motivated by the character they may not be, but she is just doing really tremendous acting work this season. Yeah. And it really, this, in Jeremy Piven's defense, I've rarely felt him bringing a scene down, yeah. even when he's the weaker actor, but I felt like he did in this one. It was just... I didn't... Well, I was like, when we were watching, I was like, are we supposed to feel bad for him? Yeah. Like, I just don't... I have no emotional investment in him anymore. Right, right. If, did we ever? Um. Did we occasionally I, care what happened to him? I don't think so. I think... I mean, the show's called Mr. Selfridge. We've pretty much assumed he'd be fine. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's... The, the way the balance worked at the beginning was... 
he had the hijinks and the escapades and the plot twists and then we cared about agnes yeah that's know, true and that was the character that we were invested in right yeah that makes sense yeah anyway may says again that he has to make up with Nunu gordon and she uh apologizes if i you know if she was out of her i, I forget what she apologizes for exactly and he says don't ever apologize again and i'm like so you're telling her not to ever apologize again for accusing you of being controlling and <laughs> insisting that everybody's you, like, he's crazy. Listen, do you know how narcissistic personality disorder works? <laughs> Cause I'm a textbook case. <laughs> uh, in the hotel lobby, uh, Felicity attempts to bum a ride on the plane that mustache and Harry are flying back on, but is rebuffed mustache clearly regretting his one night stand mm-hmm. and felicity's like oh i'm sure you're going to enjoy the story i'm about to write which i'm sure does that's not going to come back yeah. at all to which mustache professional press agent is like yeah no i the, i'm not worried about reporters threatening to write stories in revenge like mm-hmm. that can't no red flags well she should have said it in gaelic <laughs> uh jimmy Dillon apologizes to may the floozies continue fighting with each other. Uh, and then Harry uh, announces that this is the largest bill the hotel has ever presented to anyone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fiscal solvency. <laughs> Who even cares? Things worked out great for Marie Antoinette, right? <laughs> Ask Sophia Coppola. <laughs> At the store, Rosalie and Wednesday Adams discuss the event... And Wednesday does say something like, oh, my secret is out, but like doesn't seem to care. Which, like, great. Okay, awesome, Wednesday. Um, They greet A.A. Milne, and uh, his son Christopher uh, wanders around on the set and says that he likes it. Yeah. Um, He seems like a real turd of a child, actually, (laughs) by the way. He's he's like, it seems very fine, father, or something like that. And then he goes and sits in Eeyore's house. I'm like, yeah, you are clearly the Eeyore of this scene. (laughs) Yeah, go sit in in your shack. (laughs) Which does look more flimsy now. It does, yeah. You can see the improvement. Uh, Crab greets Grove upstairs and shows him into his office where <gasps> Miss Martle is there. Oh! I shrieked. Yes. I was so excited. Yeah. Even though it sucks that she only gets to come back to help out stupid old Mr. Grove. Yes, but she's still great. Uh, Grove, however, feels that Crab having called her is unforgivable mm-hmm. uh, and is very upset. So Crab heads out, and they kind of stare at each other for a few minutes. Martel asks if he's seen any other doctors or looked into any other possible treatments. And he says, no! <laughs> yeah. No! <laughs> no! Yeah. He also, it's clear, has not yet told his children, and he's like, uh, you should never have come here. Get out. Because he's a terrible person. Because he's a terrible person. Just a reminder, he's a terrible Person. Who we all hope dies. I really hope he dies. I know. God, see, I that hope was, he dies. That was when she was like, I know you, you always take the first official word as everything. And I'm like, oh my God. The, if there's another doctor that comes in and says, oh yeah, I can fix this. And he's like, ugh. <sighs> I feel like no backseat. <laughs> Martle then uh, downstairs runs into Meryl. And uh, is, you know, has a, a, a conversation that is mildly awkward as she knows that her father is dying and she does not know that. Right. Also, the part where she used to bone down with her dad. <laughs> that can't be making things. 
that's super uh yeah that's a good point um although given the timeline i have no way of knowing how old meryl was when that was going on uh i mean meryl was born after they stopped boning down okay because he married doris classic right right remember yeah. that was the whole anyway yeah miss myrtle appears to have aged yeah, that's Despite true. Despite the fact that literally no one else has. <laughs> so she has escaped the fate of Dorian Greatest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, she's, I think she maybe dresses a little older mm-hmm. th- and other people don't. I don't know. I could it's be hard wrong. to say. Yeah, it's been a while. Anyway, uh, Martel's surprised that uh, Meryl would be working there, that Grove let her work there, and Meryl says that she's proved herself capable. By standing still and looking at the floor for 30 seconds. Right, and also has proved herself capable of the job of an interview process which consisted of her running into Harry and asking if she could have the job. Yeah, that's capable. Yeah. As far as Harry's concerned, nepotism is the ultimate capability. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Martel's like, uh, Meryl's like, are you here on business? And Martel's like, yes. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, at the audition in some town that is apparently very dowdy because they talked about it and were like, oh. Beaconshire? Baconshire? Beaconfield? Beacon fire. <laughs> I don't know. I think Beacon was in it, though. I think you're right. Uh, it's time for the audition, but unless this movie is called One Floozy Short. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, things ain't looking good. One floozy over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> uh, but Harry manages to save the audition by setting up a mirror next to the present floozy and like convincing them that that's good enough because they always do the same thing anyway. Except it doesn't make any sense because the way the mirror is positioned, you only see the backside of the Dolly sister, and it's like you'd need to see the whole right, the whole of her, yeah, the whole thing, all all the Dolly. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then so the director, like, so she just does her usual stuff that she always does, and the director and his, his crew are, are watching, and they're like, yeah, they're nodding their heads. They're like, oh, yeah, we're really into her holding a fan that way. Like, it's just... God, entertainment in the freaking 20s was <laughs> such a bad idea. <laughs> Everybody should have just stood and stared at a wall <laughs> until something better came along. <laughs> But then they would ne- we would never have gotten the joys of where did you get that hat? <laughs> where did you get that? <laughs> Say, sir, look at those pants. Where'd you get those pants? <laughs> hey, Mister, where'd you get that goiter? <laughs> look, I was trying to go for something; it didn't quite work. <laughs> That's fine. Kitty greets Martle delightedly. This, oh my God, I wish the entirety of the fourth season had just been this scene. <laughs> yeah. You know, my dinner with Martle or my tea with Martle. <laughs> yeah. Because these are two competent and capable actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're characters that we have an emotional investment in. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. So as they have tea, Martle pitches New York to Kitty and just says, you would love it there. People just go after what they want. No they got feel- moxie. They got moxie. And Kitty's like, oh. I have moxie. Yeah. Now that I know about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Apparently, uh, Kitty asks if Grove is still sore and Martle confirms that he is. Uh Yes, he still sucks. And Kitty says that they still talk about her at the store and that when new uh, employees come in, they hear about the... Legendary. The legendary Miss Model. Yeah. 
and it's all just nice and delightful and great. It's a real season one, season two Selfridge vibe here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we see A.A. Milne doing the reading to... He seems like a real downer, he by does. the way. Well, he just seems like incredibly bland. And I like... Because they were basically like, oh, you know how we would have like famous people come in and interact? And like, who was famous then? They're like, uh, we could do A.A. Milne? They're like, what's interesting about him? Nothing. Literally nothing. We checked Wikipedia. There is just... He was just a boring, boring person that wrote good books. So, uh, everybody fine with A.A. Milne? <laughs> Uh, and we see, along with all the orphans, uh, George and Connie are watching. Uh, Nunu Gordon with his son on his lap. His son seems very, like, upset. He looks, I mean, he looks like he's seen a ghost. Yeah. Like, that's how upset he looks. <laughs> Just his face is twisted. Yeah. Like, what's Is it your haircut? It's <laughs> pretty bad. That's true. Uh, Harry arrives as well, and after the reading... He's like, I'm sorry I'm late. I had to help a floozy in need. <laughs> uh, yeah, and as the reading wraps up, he talks to Nunu Gordon and their family. There's mild tension. Fake Doris attempts to uh, ask him out to dinner at the Criterion, but he says no. He's had a long couple of days and he needs to go home. Yeah, well, you know, being with a floozy is extremely taxing, and I- he's been with two. <laughs> at Mustache House... Uh, over dinner, Kitty gives Mustache a copy of The New Yorker. There's such a great line in here, which is, Elizabeth loves it. I don't always get all the jokes and things, but she thinks it's a real scream. Yeah. And I'm just like, nobody thinks The New Yorker scream. <laughs> Although I guess back then, I mean, I, but that's Possibly how I would describe then. The New Yorker is like a sense of humor that has not been updated since <laughs> 1928. Yeah. Or maybe it's always just been a like insider New York scam that like remember we tell everybody else this is funny. <laughs> um, yeah, and Mustache is like great. I'll I'll definitely read that. And then he says that uh, he really missed her when he was gone. Uh, and he's when this other tart was slobbing my knob. <laughs> <laughs> he started to feel a real emptiness uh, in his life, and. Kitty's like, oh, sounds like somebody's been doing some thinking and kind of puts her hand on the New Yorker magazine. And I, I don't know, because I'm an idiot, I thought the same thing. I did too. I was like, oh my God. He's like examined his choices. He boned that lady. Like, that's unfortunate. But he's going to be like, you know what? Let's move to New York. Let's do your thing, you know? And uh, no, he's announcing that he thinks they were a bit too hasty in their decision not to have children. Which... I don't necessarily love it as a narrative choice, but this is exactly the kind of thing that people like say. Yeah, when they're feeling sad. Yeah, and I mean it. It does. I you know. Yes, he's like, oh, you know, I nearly screwed up this relationship, so I need to do. You know, we need some sort of glue to put it back together. And even though, like, she doesn't even know that anything happened. Right. So it's like, what are you? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It just. Uh sucks and was very disappointing yes mustache we already were mad at you but now we're double mad yeah this was uh anyway we're double stash mad yeah <laughs> it's a double mustache <laughs> sure i was just imagining what a double mustache would be and then i got an image of it's like essentially the equivalent of that character in the sandman that has mouths for eyes except yeah. it'd be mustaches for eyebrows <laughs> 
Might be a triple mustache, Tom. I know. Unless it's a unibrow, but yeah. Well, that character is named the Corinthian, by the way. Thank you. And I, I love him. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> he likes to eat people's eyeballs with his eyeball teeth. Come on, it's great. Harry uh, arrives home at Selfridge House, and Fraser tells him that Fat Thomas is there. Fat uh, Thomas, <laughs> Fat Thomas, Fat Thomas. Uh, Fat Thomas is like, bitch, pay your bill. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And Harry gets super mad. It's like, what are you saying? I can't afford it. He's like, I, then pay the bill. No, because every time somebody's like, hey, maybe you want. He's like, I'm, I want I have the biggest store in London. I'm like, but do you have money? <laughs> right. Because money is a thing that you have to give people. Right. As you are a retail person. <laughs> yeah. You know that goods and services are exchanged for money. Yeah. And when people don't get their money, <laughs> they start folding newspapers and breaking kneecaps. Yes. Folding newspapers is step one. <laughs> you don't want to know about step two. So anyway, he calls Dancona and it's like, hey, come by my club. I got you. Uh, at Grove House, Martle knocks on the door and uh, is asked in. She says that she just wants to help. Uh, Grove is like still real mad at her for leaving. Oh my god, he's so mean. Yeah, he's yeah. so mean. He's and super- again, Martle, I love you, baby. Yeah, but like, fuck this dude. Yeah, seriously, fuck this dude. Yeah, don't care about him no more. Yeah, like he Stop always it. does this. You yeah. try to help him, and then he's like, oh hell, here's these open wounds. I'm gonna stick my thumb in all of them. Yeah, yeah. She says she'll never leave again. Bad idea, Martel. Yeah. Run. Yeah, leave now. But he goes on and says that he doesn't want her to see him diminish and die, and Meryl overhears. Yeah, you'd really think that you'd, like, close the door or, yeah. like, make sure nobody was around if you were going to talk. About- this is the this is the Rumpelstiltskin paradox, <laughs> which is if you don't want somebody to guess your name, don't dance around a fire at nighttime <laughs> saying my name is Rumpelstiltskin. Like, this is... Keeping your name a secret 101. <laughs> yeah, first rule of Rumpelstiltskin. Don't say Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> God, I love talking about Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> that guy was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Thought he was going to get away without being made fun of on our podcast. <laughs> Suck it, Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> we already know your name. <laughs> Wednesday Adams comes to Selfridge House late at night uh, to, because he wanted to tell Harry first that he had tried to stop the presses but had failed and that the article had gone out uh, about Sergei, who we haven't even seen this season. Yeah, like he hasn't even been around. Well, he, you know. I mean, he's been around, eh? Uh, <laughs> uh? Yeah. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> Bob is my uncle. Um, yeah, he is actually. <laughs> Good job, Uncle Bob. <laughs> He's the father of the Dowager cousin Jackie. That is correct. But he comes to, and he tells Rosalie. Oh yeah, he was telling. Like, yeah, he Rosalie said he was would home. talk to Harry about it, which yeah. is like you know he hasn't done anything useful. Yeah, for anybody and lately. Rosalie's just like get out. And like, cause like the headlines like Debolatov marriage in crisis, and like, isn't it? Yeah. Like he hasn't been around. Right. You never talk about yeah, him. Yeah, you never like, oh, I wish I could be with Sergey right now. You pronounce your daughter's name Tatiana. <laughs> like, nothing good is happening in your marriage. Uh, so we see Harry at his club. A floozy sits on his lap <laughs> and says something about 
thanks or whatever. So I guess she got the job and leaves. Uh, and then Stone comes by and he's like, well, turns out one of our investors pulled out, so we're not going to do the movie anymore. It's a shame. We we're going to shoot some scenes in your store. And Harry's like... He doesn't even... I don't even think that he's fishing like that. Really? I really didn't feel that way. Okay. Okay. Anyway. I mean, yeah, no, that's that's fair. I mean, because he didn't... Like, he was... If he was doing it, it was extremely, uh, you know, well-disguised. Yes. So, yeah, he may not have been doing that at all. Uh, in any case, Harry busts out the checkbook and writes a check for 50000 And it was his genuine surprise when he did that. Yeah, that, yeah. Granted... If he was fishing, like, he probably would have been like, oh, you know, I have to call my money manager. Right. Yeah, I have to yeah. go through various checks and balances <laughs> because I'm clearly an unhealthy addict <laughs> who could probably benefit from Gamblers Anonymous. Uh, you would think that the shareholders in my various organizations would have insisted on this. And yet. As I could bankrupt them at all at any moment in a drunken gambling even though I used to not drink. <laughs> right. And that was part of my reputation that I staked a tremendous amount of pride in. <laughs> Sorry. Still mad. <laughs> yes. Uh, as he writes this check, he gets a call from Rosalie. And so we cut to him yelling at Mustache. Uh, and, you know, justifiably. Like, Mustache is like, oh, this is tittle-tattle, little blow-over. And, and like, like, your literal job is to keep the tittle-tattle from getting out, dude. Right. And Although, I'm not totally sure, like, the boundaries of his job are very unclear. That's because true. Because it's like, well, why should it be part of his professional life to protect the personal life of someone who he doesn't even work for? Yeah, that's true. But, and, and what I will say, too, is, like, some of what Mustache was saying was sensible. It was like, you know, you're in the public eye. Negative stories are going to come out sometimes. I can't stop them all. Uh, but then Harry points out that the reporter who wrote the article was with Mustache at night mm-hmm. and then again the following morning. Yeah. And Mustache is like, oh. Right. That is a good point. Well, except it comes out, sharsha, sharsha, sharsha. <laughs> Yeah, because the Irish accent in this scene is turned up to like yeah, 13. Yeah, that was, I, I think, yeah, that was when you like first commented mm-hmm. on it. Um, at Harry's club, the crap club, Dancona arrives and sees that Harry is not there and sees that he left hurriedly, left a, a drink there and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And, uh, you know. Credits. Yeah. So well, actually, oh, no, not quite credits. Oh. Because there's a shot at, uh, Her- at Selfridge House of Harry tearing up a newspaper. Oh, right. Yeah, so. Boy, newspapers sure got a bum rap this episode. <laughs> they were not treated well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will see what happens next week. Uh, hopefully, Harry will pay his gambling debts. Yeah, that would be nice. I would really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but before that can happen, we have to handle the selfies. Yes, uh, so first up, we have the Nailin' It Award. Which goes to Felicity the Reporter. Yeah. Who pretty much got everything she wanted. Yeah. She ran the story she wanted, although presumably she's going to lose her job now. Well, that's true. Because she said her orders to quash it came directly from Wednesday. So... Yeah. At any rate... Yeah, but I don't... If she really... Like, if it was going to destroy her career, she wouldn't have done it even for revenge. Yeah, like, that's true. At any rate... Yeah. Uh, she's nailing it and also mustache. That's right. <laughs> and it's not like we can point to... Yeah, nobody Anybody else was else? doing... I mean, I guess that A.A. Milne thing went over fine, but it was so milk toast that yeah. I can't even give Rosalie any credit. Yeah. Uh, um, 
Oh, and yeah, because I was about to say Meryl got back on the shop floor, but then she found out that her dad, you know, died. Oh man, and she was so bad in that scene. Yeah, like well, all I... of her, all of her mates from, uh, <laughs> you know, the drama academy were like, "Oh, it's only because she's ginger." <laughs> so bad. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. Such a terrible performance. It was. It was a little rough. Uh, next up, we have the stick poke. And that goes to Mustache announcing that he wants children all of a sudden. Yeah, we were like, what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I got to give him some credit for throwing us for a loop. Yeah, because in retrospect, it feels like super obvious and that we could have seen it coming, but we absolutely didn't. So a solid stick poke there. Yeah. Next up, we have the Window Worthy Award. Uh, The Thousand Acre Wood, Hundred Acre Wood. Hundred, I believe. How many acres was it? Hundred Acre Wood. Unless it was 500. No. No. 100. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It wasn't 1,000. Okay. 100 acre wood. Really? 1,000 acre wood just sounds better to me. I, I'm not certain. No to A.A. Mill. <laughs> um, I think it is 100 because kids can't think that high. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the 100 acre wood, I'm just going to move past it. Yeah. Every time I say it, it feels wrong. The A.A. Mill set. The A.A. Mill set really yeah. looked fantastic. It really was, yeah. So, well done, eyebrows. We may hate you, <laughs> but your displays are frequently excellent. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, you know the the scenes in Biarritz were also nice, but yeah, yeah. And finally, the eyeliner scale of eyeliner, and that uh, we were kind of torn on this, but Kelly's position has prevailed. We're going with crayon. I just felt that the editing was bad. A lot of these story developments were very clunkily handled. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why anything is happening, <laughs> and I am sticking to it. Yeah, I guess you know the one thing I would say is that the Kitty storyline, which seemed like it was going in a very bad direction early on, turns out not to be. It is going in a really interesting direction. Yeah. I mean, I don't see how they get out of this. I see her and Mustache getting a divorce and her moving to New York. Yeah. Is I, what I think I see. That's that's how it looks right now, for so, sure. So, you yeah. know, hopefully, for yeah. Kitty's sake. <laughs> I'm like, please don't listen to the Mustache. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that is it for us on this episode that's right we'll be back for the next episode Mm -hmm. until then tighten your 